graduating from Princeton, playing on the baseball team, yeah. releasing novels, having a television show called Californication <laughs> that's essentially about you yeah. being a rad dude who does awesome things, who has sex with beautiful young women. Uh, I remember watching... Being beloved by nerds forever because of the X-Files. So it's, boy, tough, tough go for that guy. <laughs> I remember watching the first episode of Californication in high school and even then being like... This is come on, get out of here. I'm it's 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 yeah, it's direct from his like personal point of view of how cool of a dude I am. And if everyone <laughs> would just let me be cool, good great stuff would get done. Fucking <laughs> I kind of like it is like a parody of itself almost. It went yeah. on for seven seasons. So that was the old thing about the showtime show that they like never knew it they used to like be on for like you know like shameless was on for like 12 seasons Did you ever talk to anyone who ever saw shameless no yeah i'm, I'm sure it was fine yeah, but, yeah. i like william h macy yeah. uh yeah i mean i know like my grandpa watched ray donovan yeah yeah, yeah like all those all those kind of shows like you know like <laughs> i have a feeling like billions i heard uh billions will be on for like 15 seasons wow i bet even yeah. though um Damian Lewis just left the show. Bobby X Axelrod himself, which um, Oof. boy, big loss. Yeah, that's big a big hit. hold. Well, it's, didn't he? It's like when he left uh, the other show he was on before the other that. Showtime show, Homeland. Yeah, he did the yeah. same thing. Oh boy, Trickster, Damian Oof. Lewis. Oof. Trickster. Yeah, Paul Giamatti. I love him, but I don't know if he can fill that much of a space. That's a he, big hole. He needs his Chuck needs the axe to fill his heart. Yeah, gotta put a you gotta put an axe in that Chuck. Hello, and welcome to the 47th <laughs> annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Remian. Welcome to The Academy, and hey, it's Hollywood, baby. It's Holly. Is, are we going to Hollywood this week? Oh, yeah. Did you say it's, so? It's all Tinseltown here, folks. It's all Tinseltown, we, you know... If you thought I'll do anything, wet our appetite for insidery stories. Well, this week, folks, we're at it again. One story that is set in the heart of Hollywood with cameos from luminaries and faves oh. of the of the Hollywood community. And the other uh, near Hollywood, but Hollywood vibes. Yeah. Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood adjacent adjacent. Hollywood. The, the cloistered communities of the Pacific Palisades and Malibu Beach Houses are uh, featured prominently throughout both films. Yeah. Oh, spiritually, it's a Hollywood film. Definitely. Spiritually, yeah. It might, not, <laughs> might, not, might not be literally, but spiritually, because I think our boys are pretty comfortable in the realm of being Hollywood boys and kind of enjoy... You know, their fancy friends, their fancy food, oh, yeah. their fancy houses. <laughs> One of them seems to enjoy their fancy ex-wife a lot less than the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no. So we're heading into the late 90s and early 2000s with the Brooks boys. Yeah. Talking today about 1999's The Muse, directed by Albert Brooks, and 2004's Spanglish, directed by James L. Brooks. You know, we're heading toward the end here of the surprisingly enough for as successful as these guys are and how much they've got not giant filmographies. Mm -hmm. And I think that like 
I just watched um, Bringing Out the Dead for Martin Scorsese's birthday. Oh, great movie. Oh, just terrific. But it's like, you look at his filmography, it's like, there's a reason everyone talks about him because he's all, not only is he like terrific, he's also the exception of the rule, but he's been terrific over the course of like 30 movies. <laughs> like, yeah, he kept it going. <laughs> most, most people get like a good 10 tops and Scorsese from top to bottom. These are good. Yeah, bangers. Like <laughs> Irishman, just at the same level as Mean Streets. Like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so lesson learned. He's got it. And does he, but I guess the question would also be, does he need a muse? Mm. Which we'll find out momentarily. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, and perhaps uh, had he not seen that muse, would we have seen a, uh, a film similar, akin to Raging Bull, but with perhaps a really thin guy? Right. Yeah. Although he did, uh, his 1999 movie was Bringing Out the Dead. So perhaps this is what he got out of that meeting was Bringing Out the Dead. Maybe. I guess Nicolas Cage is a thin guy. Yeah. Nicolas Cage is good in that. Oh, uh, yeah. He oh, is. Man. Yeah. He is He's uh, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy rules. <laughs> He's oh, yeah. one of the very best. But boy, it's just, uh, I don't know what it is about, like, you know, obviously we're talking Brooks Brooks. We're not talking, we're not get going to, maybe it's minor Scorsese love fest here. Yeah. But why don't more people try to be that exciting? Like, in their movie making. <laughs> Everything is so, like, is it just because he get, he's got the rep? But I mean, it's been like that even when he was, like, at his low points or his highest points. He's always been, like let's like after hours he was at a really like low point in his career and it says like thrilling and crazed and like <sighs> risky and interesting as any of them you it's, know i don't know it's, it's tough just, it's tough you know as Werner herzog once said you gotta have the guts and the courage to be a filmmaker and um scorsese's got it yeah he's, he's got, got this- it You've heard it. You've heard it here first, yeah, folks. Uh, he, Scorsese, he's good. He's good. And I also think, though, is that he has, and it might be because he is kind of like this motor mouth guy who's always going, but um, mm-hmm. he does have a lot to say. And I'm wondering if now we can kind of go back to our boys. You start, if you do kind of, most people are who are not lucky enough to consistently have a lot to say they and they've gotten successful they either kind of repeat themselves or just kind of drift off yes and you know and i think that even going back to martin breast we might be kind of in that zone of like maybe we just kind of this is this was the this was the tank this was the how full of a tank Mm. i have in terms of you know like you know the like scorsese's of the world or the um you know, even like, I mean, you know, I think there's something Tarantino talks about with his um, threatened 10 movie retirement mm-hmm. uh, is that he doesn't want to get to that point. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's so funny. I was listening to uh, on your recommendation. I was listening to the Pierce Cinema podcast mm-hmm. and I end up listening. Good, good, great podcast. Shout out. One of, shout out. One of, yeah. One of my faves. <laughs> And uh, I was listening to the episode uh, where they had Tarantino as a guest where they were covering like the best like last films. Oh, yeah. Great episode. 
oh, it's super interesting. It's super great. But yeah, and he was like discussing. He was like, yeah, there is like a part of me that kind of wants to end it like once upon a time in Hollywood because it was such a good movie. And it's such a good I don't know if I can... movie too. It's like the best closing movie. Oh yeah, it's, it's like a it's a perfect uh, it's a perfect period for at least this. Uh, the first like two portions of Quentin Tarantino's career, the first mm. two, two phases. And so like, I don't know if it's like a matter of like having to keep your mind open or to, I think like what makes Albert Brooks work, despite his ongoing, like, you know, success is he's able to be self-reflexive, I think in a way that a lot of other people um, the, the the way in a way that other people like they lose it as they get more successful. Yeah, and I think it becomes increasingly difficult to kind of the, assess your own failings. The Pacific Palisades estate poisons the oh. creative well. I, it's I a think state it, of mind. Another thing with Albert Brooks that might actually be the true answer is that for we you know we talk about he is successful. He's a beloved figure. Um, very few of his movies actually made money. And that is so true. That's the so further funny. we've gone along, and the more important those things get, where they're not as getting as risk, these kind of adult comedies. I mean, who makes any? Who is Albert Brooks today? There isn't one, you know, in terms no. of like getting mainstream studio. Yeah, I mean, Jed Apatow, I guess, would be the absolute closest one, but I don't think he's as um, pointed. No, as he, I think he's um, he's a piece broader. Yeah, and Albert Brooks. Like, I think that what makes Albert Brooks's movies so special are they? They are these like finely shined diamonds. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like barely none of them are over a hundred minutes long. I mean, they're like whittled down to like the bare essentials of what he needs to do to like be funny and tell this particular story. And that's what makes him so damn good. I think it's like yeah. there's no dead weight in any of his movies. It, it, man, they are like perfectly, yeah, perfectly edited. No dead weight, 100%. And I think, like, he also is able to, like, mix, like, the the broad and the erudite in a way that no other person... Yeah. Like, you can have some really interesting philosophical points made by Albert Brooks. But they don't and, feel pretentious. No! Yeah. And, and then you can also have scenes, like, the one with the... There's a great scene with Jeff Bridges involving a tennis court. That's uh, the height of physical comedy, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever thought it was possible to make physical comedy subtle, it happens in this. It happens in the muse. It is <laughs> absolute brilliance. But it, 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 yeah, I think he's um, another thing I like about Albert Brooks quite a bit that differentiates him outside of defending your life. He rarely is sentimental. And, oh, that's interesting. But, but defending your life, the sentimentality is completely earned. He does the work to get to that great heartwarming ending. But otherwise, he's like, he's a pretty vicious guy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's for, he, you know, an evil he, man in a lot of those movies. <laughs> yeah. And he, he, and he knows the Albert Brooks character is a pretty evil, selfish guy. And he puts him through the ringer accordingly in each of these movies. And, um, you know, to get out, you know, to kind of lean into the muse now. Uh, the muse came out in 1999, uh, d- directed by Albert Brooks, written by Albert Brooks and Monica Johnson. Back in the fold again, another time out. I, I, we cannot. I don't think we can downplay it all. I mean, not a lot is written about her, unfortunately. But 
very, very clear, an absolute key collaborator. And uh, outside of Albert Brooks, the main reason these movies work, mm-hmm. I, I think very clearly, because she's the through line outside of defending your life. She's been involved in all of them. Yeah. And, and I think I, like- it probably read the script for defending your life and gave notes. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 110%. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, she, I think she probably provides like a lot of the bites that these films or like as they discuss in this film, I think he, she br- probably brings the edge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually, I think, yeah, I think she, I think she, she strikes me as the dangerous one of the two. <laughs> um, I, 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 I would, I, she would have been like, we always joke about having like these dream guests on our show. We joke around about having, you know, Paul Walter Hauser, Joe Dante on, but, um, she would have been such a neat one. Yeah. Because nobody, I mean, I would, yeah, somebody out there who is like maybe like the Karina Longworths of the world can do, do, do the hard work of figuring out her story and telling it properly because uh, seems to have been an amazing comedic mind that is not, you know, not discussed. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, in addition to like doing modern romance and all of the, uh, Albert Brooks films. She was also like on the Mary. She wrote for the Mary Tyler Moore show, Laverne and Shirley, uh, Shandling show. Yeah, God, no. Gary. That's a Gary Shandling rules too. He's like another yeah. interesting. He's like I'd say Gary Shandling is probably like the most comp. He's like the television pers- version essentially of Albert Brooks. Yeah, like the the Larry Sanders show is definitely has a lot of the hallmark like yeah if you want if you want to taste what if you want more albert brooks taste that isn't albert brooks you know you could go straight to larry sanders and curb your enthusiasm and have a wonderful hours upon hours of entertainment <laughs> uh man but um this one uh, relatively star-studded mm-hmm. cast comparatively to some of albert's other films um co-starring with him in this one is sharon stone andy mcdowell Jeff Bridges, mm. um, Bradley Whitford returns to the Academy Academy fold once again. Oh man, uh, <laughs> we greet him. We greet him with open arms. Uh, actor by the name of Mark Fierstein, who I was not particularly familiar with, but did some funny stuff. Oh, um, so he's uh, he's suits, I think, or oh, no he, royal, no royal pains. He's royal pains. He's, he's like, what? Oh, he he's he's he he does not know drama. He's a character who is welcome. Yes, yes, exactly, sir. He is. Uh, he's a, he's a t- he does a lot of TV. He was yeah. on West Wing as well. Okay, with our friend Aaron Sorkin. Um, yeah. Stephen Wright, who I always welcome. Oh, uh, his bit is very good in the film. <laughs> and then some um, Jennifer Tilly, Rob Reiner, Wolfgang Puck, JC the King. James uh, yeah. Cameron, uh, Martin Scorsese, and Lorenzo Lamas all uh, drop by as themselves. I don't know if you noticed too. Uh, music was by Elton John in what? this movie. Yeah, he okay. The, he, he composed the score, which is kind of wild. Um, I don't. That's so funny because like uh, the score wasn't bad, but I just don't remember. It was, yeah, it was. It was. It didn't have that Elton John panache. We yeah, we're always looking for um, the movie. Was considered a slight box office flop, grossing 11 million on a budget of an estimated 15. Um, and this kind of gets back to he's not even really working on the highest budgets to begin with and can't really make those back. Mm-hmm. So, as much as we are proclaiming him like this god tier comedic mind, the, the rest of the he, he remains a fairly niche figure 
to the rest of the audience, uh, stu- uh, viewing audiences. I it think. is true. Yeah, it is like, I mean, and I will say like, there is, especially about this film, there is an insularness to it that perhaps a, like a, a more um, broad audience would probably not glom onto. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And, and he, and he frankly plays difficult people. In all of his movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is like, yeah, it's, there's no one to like, yeah, you can't, you really can't do that thing where you like associate yourself with the protagonist and like, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, the second you're like, you watch modern romance, like I would do that. Then you have to look in the mirror and call your psychiatrist. Yeah, <laughs> you have to, you have to like, walk up to Arkham Asylum and throw away the key. Or you yeah. call your old girlfriends and just apologize profusely. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm the human version of the Joker. I apologize. <laughs> Did I call you and tell you about my record collection once? <laughs> yeah. High uh, on Quaaludes. Yeah. Oh, man. oh uh so this has a 53 percent on rotten tomatoes uh consensus reading despite quirky and original writing the subject feels too removed to produce laughs and i think that might be what you were getting at there that it's a little insular a little um yeah you know and this this does happen to these hollywood people where this is all they ever hear about this is all they ever talk about this is all they ever do is hollywood bullshit mm-hmm. that um that becomes all they you know, we saw it all do anything. All do anything did not matter. Yeah. To anyone. No. It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, uh, yeah. But the, here's the difference, though, between I think oh, this, people. This, this was funny. That was one of the differences. Yeah, that. that's do... true. That's like literally the main thing is this was actually a funny movie. And mm-hmm. well, and I think that like uh, this takes the piss out of Hollywood. I'll do anything is like. Nah, this piss is this is good piss. I love it so much. I'm going to subject my, my new daughter that I just met to becoming a child actor. Yeah. Soul crushing. That is like odious. That I forgot how like like spiritually odious that choice is. Where it's like, yeah, I'm going to make you uh, join this world that has ruined so many children. My life as a supporting actor has been terrific. Yeah. <laughs> I'm famed TV hunk Nick Nolte. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's it, yeah, it's I, I I do get that because I think our next movie, while it's not about Hollywood necessarily, is about kind of that same insular like mm-hmm. high-end very specific parts of Southern California. Yeah. Rich people. Milieu. Mm-hmm. And oddly, and in the next movie too, like when he tries to present someone who's not part of that, infiltrating that, it feels very off and somewhat false. So yes. it's probably better just to make fun of what you know. Like, I mean, that was another thing, but I'll do anything is that um, Burke Adler, Albert Brooks himself, like gets a somewhat happy ending in that movie, and if Albert Brooks was making that movie, Burke is dying alone. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Or or like, yeah, he gets hit by a truck halfway through the movie, <laughs> or, or two cars like yeah. Joe Black. <laughs> Ooh, the classic two car. The classic two car bashing. <laughs> yeah, the Grim Reaper's favorite move. <laughs> I think today, not one but two cars. <laughs> You like the idea of Burke Adler showing up with a jar of peanut butter and Anthony Hopkins just being, oh no, 
You, you got a bad body, dude. That was, how, that was how the father came about because Anthony Hopkins didn't want to remember um, oh, that, no. that happened. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's depressing. <laughs> I'm just trying to forget. <laughs> I get this jackass hunk who showed up to my house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hate peanut butter. Tried to bang my daughter. Oh my god, I gotta. I hate peanut butter. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he had the Crim Reaper. What? God, the, you know what? I'm so glad we've done this podcast just so I've seen Joe meet Joe Black. I know, I know. And unforgettable, I, unforgettable. Yeah, there's like, well, now we're also both like we have the mark of Joe Black. Like we're gonna like whenever we see peanut butter in a store, we're gonna laugh and everyone's gonna look at us like freaks. <laughs> I mean, this show has done a real number on mentally every time. Every time i see a beautiful beach i say i'm going to the baywatch every single time <laughs> we're poisoned we're yeah. poisoned men utterly poisoned. speaking of which we should probably tell the quick digression into watching paternity the other night oh please uh another another added to the pantheon of great sad dads uh not part not part of academy academy canon yet but uh, <laughs> so we were flipping around Friday evening, not mm-hmm. a lot to do. Going through Amazon, well, we had recently watched Three Men and a Baby, which is a wild, wild movie that you uh, don't remember. If you saw it as a kid, you don't remember it. Trust me, uh, <laughs> like, you don't uh, remember no. what happens in it because there's an entire subplot where they have to do a fake heroin deal. How does this? <laughs> how does this come about? Just watch. Um, <laughs> so we're like, what did other people watch? You watched Three Men and a Baby. We saw this movie, this poster, Burt Reynolds in a tracksuit saying, I want you to be the mother to my child. And the film is called Paternity. And both Jen and I were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so yeah. we clicked on it. And Jen, because she's amazing, goes, we're watching this. It was not, there was no, no discussion, no kind of like back and forth that you sometimes do when you're flipping through the streaming. It was like, no, I think we're watching this movie. That, that's how I know that like there is like hope for true love in this world that you've, you have the ability like... <laughs> And like, I and, oh and there was no quite no no part of me like no like you sure no, no I was like yeah yeah you're, right, you're yeah. both on sync that's what I'm saying that's yeah, crazy totally that's insane, insane. yeah you're that's totally like <laughs> so <laughs> beautiful so Burt Reynolds is this um he's a sports executive who works in New York at Madison Square Garden he's you know he's doing bird stuff he's all the ladies love him he's you know he's got it all going but boy his life just is kind of empty. So what he wants, he wants a he wants a son. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> not a baby, not a girl. A son. I need to go back in time and give this motherfucker a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I know. Here, this is Mario Golf. This, you're this, good. Yeah, you're, you're good. This will take up your yeah. yeah. Let's go with this. So he. Um, he doesn't want to get married. He does not want to settle down. There are some pretty hilarious bits of. Pretty much everywhere he goes, there's a woman that he runs into that he had an affair with. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Including later on at the Lamaze class, which is quite a funny joke. Um, it opens, though, this part where he's at this park and there's all these kids running around. And he's like, he's this weird 45-year-old man who shows up at the park just to hang out with kids. Um, but <laughs> he's tossing snacks to this squirrel and he tosses one and then you just hear the squirrel run and then the car wheels screech and 
throat is crushed and all the kids and their parents like walk away from Bert. <laughs> and I must have laughed for five minutes. <laughs> they don't have the bravery to do that anymore in Hollywood movies. So it's but it's like it is a classic Academy Academy character of a guy who just wants to be a rad dad. Yeah. But wants none of the ha- none of the hang-ups that a wife would bring to the table. Say. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, like, you know, throw him in with Ivan from Author Author and a Burton starting over even. I mean, just all the guys. And uh, heck, you know, maybe John in Spanglish. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but Jen and I, we, I texted Patrick about this and I was like, are Jen and I the only two people in the United States right now watching paternity? <laughs> You might be. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you've seen Paternity, send us an email. Tell yeah, us let what us, you thought about it. <laughs> let, yeah, let us know you exist, that there are others. Yeah, we have an email address. We're, we're, our email is the, our point of contact <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, and have we gotten an email from anyone yet? No. <laughs> no send, us an, send us an email. Somebody send us an email. Someone just let us know you exist. Watch Paternity. Tell us what you think. It's dated, but there were a few moments that were quite funny, and Bert is, Bert is fun. Yeah. That, no. that, that was my overall thought. It was a wonderful thing, and there is a few things funner than doing a deep dive on the... Um, customers who watch this watch this section on oh, Amazon wow. Prime and going like four deep and then seeing what's, <laughs> seeing, seeing what's there because there you can find some weird movies that you've never heard of yeah it's like a, a, a an, an Italian Peter Sellers comedy from 1968 yeah. like oh that's oh <laughs> like <laughs> he's playing Japanese in it never mind oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh no yeah <laughs> That's not good. No, no. <laughs> Peter. Uh, so um, that was our um, that was our uh, paternity break. But <laughs> we're moving on. Oh, I just did that. I did watch Anthony Hopkins' movie, The Father, right like the very next day. So paternity and the father, one of the most surreal and awesome double features you could put together about the life uh, of a dad. <laughs> here, here's 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 a question. How could you? Is there any way to make a movie? set in between paternity and the father that like ties those movies together uh it was spanglish that's the trill that's the academy academy trilogy yeah folks. yeah the life the life of a man <laughs> just the I'm, life of a man the life of a man point a i'm perfect but i need something more <laughs> point, 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 point b i have it all now and it sucks <laughs> Point yeah. C, uh, dementia. Yeah, I, I have, I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, having it all was good. Yeah. Oh dang, <laughs> Spanglish, my Spanglish life wasn't that bad. Uh, I, that's horrible. Whenever I think of the when we say that, I just imagine in my head like the tra- like the father, but it's just like Bob Odenkirk putting mayonnaise and mustard yeah. on his bread. Oh god, yeah, it's Bye, son. Yeah, it's the Bob Lamada story. <laughs> yeah. uh, the best part about that though is when he comes it's all true. It's all true, except for a few minor details. My father was of normal intelligence. My mother also of normal intelligence. <laughs> Never went to the Olympics. Did a few fun runs though. Did pretty good. <laughs> Just... <laughs> that entire that Bob Lamada episode 
does a better job of ripping on Hollywood and all the BS and like self-congratulatory crap than any of these movies we've watched. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I would say that. I think I think Albert Brooks has too much love in his heart for for Hollywood. He, he's a showbiz guy. Yeah. He loves showbiz. Like you, he he understands it's silly, but he loves it. He's never gonna give it up. He loves the stars. Yeah, oh he loves the stars. So after a long digression there. Oh man. Back to the muse. So <laughs> in the muse, Albert plays Stephen Phillips. I love his like all of his movies, very basic character names. He's just like regular, like dude names. Mm-hmm. He's a esteemed screenwriter who's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award as the film opens. He's doing okay. And then he tells a I'm king of the world joke because this was right after Titanic. And uh, it dies Led in bullet. the room. And you <laughs> kind of look around and it's a wonderful starting point because you're like, oh, things are, I don't think things are going as well for old Stephen <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, and the very next scene, he has to go and get uh, told that not only is his next film not going through by this junior executive played by Mark Firestein for Fierstein. Fierstein, I think. Fierstein. Um, that he's getting dropped from his overall deal. He's lost his edge and he needs to be off the lot by five. Oh, man. So, uh oh. Yeah. By the way, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite jokes is when uh, <laughs> Albert Brooks goes to sit down on a couch and he's like, hey, don't do that. That's the couch from Saving Private Ryan. An insane. I love that this entire guy, his like downfall is the fact that he rips off set props. Yes. And just like, there's something beautiful in the specificity of, and the inanity of, it's the couch from Saving Private Ryan, a movie, yes, famous for its couch. Like, uh, a movie known for its couches, Saving oh, yeah. Private Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's that one part. Where Tom Hanks sits down with uh, Tom Sizemore on this couch. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom, Tom looks at Tom and goes, man, it's getting really hard to save this Private Ryan guy. <laughs> yeah, we got to save Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah Sizemore's like, we got to save him, though. <laughs> we got to save. That's where the juice is. You know, the action, <laughs> for me, saving Private Ryan is the juice. <laughs> if, okay, if there was a retcon in Tom Sizemore's character in Saving Private Ryan was the father of his character in Heat, <laughs> please. That would actually make a lot of sense because tough guy. Yeah, good, t- good teammate, awesome teammate. Yeah, yeah, but dies in the war. So Sizemore's ki- Sizemore grows up without a dad. Yeah, and he, and he and he meets Robert De Niro, and he's like, "You're kind of a dad kind of figure. Let's go do some heists." What I'm <laughs> what I'm trying to say is Hollywood, give us the keys to Heat, babies. We can yeah. we can make heat. Michael Mann. If you're listening, you're not. <laughs> he- We've, we've presented many options to go forward in time and yes. backward in time in the heat mythos. <laughs> the heativerse, the, uh, the heativerse, the, the HC, the heat cinematic universe. Yeah. We can, we can, we can connect it to all of your other films. If yes. you want to. We could do any of it. We, we are, we are up for the challenge. Frankly, you probably don't even need to pay us. If you just let us do it, we'll be yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah. We can I will do it. do it in my free time. I'll fit it in. Look, look, uh, Black Hats, that's the sequel to Black Hat. We're just coming up with, there's two of them now. So at the end of Black Hat, they're on the run. Chris Hemsworth is like, dang it. I've done all this stuff in this movie, but we never got to the hats. Yeah, I never got my hat. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then Josh Mark Feirstein, one of the props in his office, is one of the one of the black hats. Ah! <laughs> That is the black hat from Black Hat. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that is so, insane. That, that is insane. That, that is, is good. Oh, the nine AM boys at it again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like we're broken men. <laughs> we're broken. <laughs> Continue. So, so uh, uh, Stephen is utterly at a loss of what to do. So he goes. He goes to seek advice from his extremely successful best friend jack who i'm reading on the wikipedia page is a screenwriter and i never got that in the movie i thought he was like a producer or something like that yeah because um screenwriters don't look like jeff bridges (laughs) no (laughs) yeah i thought he was like yeah i thought he was yeah either a producer a director maybe an actor and jeff bridges i mean a guy who just one of my faves. Every time he shows up, any movie I'm watching, if he's in it, I'm like, boy, I'm I'm in for a good time. I'm gonna enjoy. I'm, this is even like his bad movies. He's a um, wonderful presence mm-hmm. at all times, and he's great in this. He's um, so he he's 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 you know he's he's arrogant. He's got this great house. He looks he looks terrific, and somehow he's friends with Albert Brooks, and um. Basically, what he reveals to Albert is that his success is not all just based on talent. He knows a woman named Sarah, a modern day muse who can inspire anyone. Um, She has lavish demands, but (laughs) she can be quite helpful as we find out. Um, I will say this is the point where I wrote in my notes, let's go. Like I was like, yes, this is like crazy. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Stephen goes to meet her. She, she's um, she's eccentric. Yeah, she's she's got a lot of. Yeah, she wants um Stephen immediately begins spending all of his money <laughs> to try and make her happy. Uh, <laughs> Stephen's wife, Laura, who's played by Andy McDowell, is um, rightfully confused by the entire arrangement. Um. Steven is not sure what her deal is until they go to Long Beach to an aquarium and they bump into Rob Reiner, who, who uh, <laughs> you know, has been working with her as well. And uh, it just builds from there. Sarah ends up moving into Steven's house um, and receives visits from James Cameron and Martin Scorsese playing themselves yeah. looking for more advice. Uh-huh. Uh, the advice to James Cameron, no more water scripts. Get out of here. And <laughs> Martin Scorsese's is even nuttier. Yes. <laughs> the Raging Bull uh, remake, right? Was it Raging Bull or Taxi Driver? No, it's Raging Bull. The Raging Bull. But he's really skinny. <laughs> yeah, and angry. And angry. <laughs> really skinny, angry. <laughs> it's, it, it's insane. And um, it's so good. Increasingly confusing to Albert Brooks. What's going on? And I do like the fact that Albert Brooks isn't like just buying it. He's oh, yeah. just like, this is weird, right? And this is this comes to one of the huge differences in this movie comparably to other Albert Brooks movies is that he is the one who could call out that the situation is weird. Yes. In this movie compared to every other one where people have to tell him he's being weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, yeah, that is the interesting distinct. Yeah, it is a weird world that he is having to swim through. Yeah, and also another interesting distinction in this one is this is the first film where he is happily married 
and has two kids. He, this is the first time he's been a father in any of his movies. And I think that that's a distinct difference because he's not doing, he, he doesn't need his career for himself and his own like selfish goals and like and to fill yeah. up his own empty life like all of his other movies although it is like really funny that like he has kids but they kind of like fade out of the picture they pretty get, like, quickly a cute, precocious scene and then they're gone um and then simultaneous to all this uh it's discovered that guess who has an inner life <laughs> Laura, his wife. What? What? It's insane. No. And she has goals and interests too. <laughs> a wife? Impossible. In one of these movies? <laughs> yeah. This is like, yeah, I, that is something that kind of separates Albert Brooks from the guests. Yeah, this isn't like, you know, this ain't your daddy's sad, typical sad dad film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mom can be sad too. So it turns out she's like a wonderful baker. Mm-hmm. And she starts hanging out with Sharon Stone and becomes such a wonderful baker that her cookies are sold at Spago by Wolfgang Puck, who plays himself. Yeah. Also, <laughs> insane amount. Like, this is like the most lavish. It feels like they're all favors, too. Like, I bet, like, mm-hmm. Albert Brooks is just like a well liked guy. Well, I think he's got to be respected because these, I mean, anyone who like likes movies can watch these and be like, oh, he does a good job. Yeah. These are like solid, like he's a great filmmaker and he's got a, such a unique, funny voice. It's it just, it, they're just, um, I mean, they're a tourist works, which is really cool. You don't see a lot in comedy. No. Um, despite the fact, I think that this one has got a little bit blander look than yes. some of his other movies. And I agree with that. I do wonder if, yeah, I mean, you know, if he's. I, mean, I guess it's post mother and mother was a little, mother was a success for him. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't even think he listens to the waves of the sea telling him like what works and what doesn't with audiences. I think he just kind of does what he wants to do, mm-hmm. but so we, we won't spoil where it all goes from there, but obviously it's all leading up to is, is Steven going to get his career back? Is the muse going to drive him absolutely insane? Yeah. Um, you know, is how is his relationship with his wife going to work out? And it kind of builds. Oh, and we should mention uh, Bradley Whitford plays his agent. How a very, very funny joke where he tries to punch up the script and it doesn't go well. Yeah, it's like, what was the like? It was like, uh, I want to eat. Let's eat sushi at the at the zoo or whatever. And it's like, no, it's not. Yeah, funny. and everyone's like, no. And he's like, no. Oh. And he knows it was bad. And uh, we should also mention he does do a meeting. Uh, he gets a meeting. Very funny scene where he does not get parking on the lot at oh Universal Studios. He gets a, he supposedly gets a meeting with Steven Spielberg to write a script, but gets sent in with <laughs> Stan Spielberg. Stan Spielberg, a distant relative <laughs> of Stephen, played by uh, Stephen Wright. Uh. In, a, in a very, I, I love, like, I think Stephen Wright, because it's like, you're either in with his thing. Yeah, or you're out. And I mean, I think oh. it's really funny. Oh, and... when, I, when I see him like uh, just laconically fucking playing Game Boy Color, just the funniest. Like, he's, real, he's the perfect casting. He's yeah. the right guy for the job to play the ineffectual ne- like, <laughs> nephew of Steven the, Spielberg. The fail nephew. The fail nephew. Also love that um while he's walking, while Albert Brooks is like walking what seems like miles yeah. to the uh, to the lot to the office. 
uh, at one point they passed by like a kind of like a tour guy. The, tra- the tram tour. <laughs> the tram tour. And it's like, this is the, this is where the, this is, uh, on your right is where the sound stage where they filmed Liar to Liar. An insane <laughs> specific. <laughs> on your left is a guy who didn't get on said parking. <laughs> <laughs> very funny. Very rude. <laughs> very, very funny. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And he does set it up. The Universal Studios is like a thousand miles long. <laughs> He's like, He's coated in sweat like he's in broadcast news by the time he gets to Spielberg's office. Oh, yeah. It's that same sweat, that same whatever, like, weird cornstarch they used in that movie. It's the yeah. same stuff. But it's, it's, there's a lot of really, really funny bits in this movie. I mean, I, one we wanted to shout out, though, that it was our favorite is so Jeff Bridges is perfect. Mm-hmm. by all accounts. Oh, yeah. Like, the muse is made imperfect. He looks like middle aged Jeff Bridges, which is a very, handsome middle-aged guy he's got a great house he seems to have girlfriends and just doing it all yes there's this part where he and albert brooks are having a conversation while trying to play tennis (laughs) jeff bridges is serving and continuously like 10 times (laughs) oh my god he he flails and can't get the ball over the net never alluded to never even brought up (laughs) we're just like oh it's he's it's just one of the funniest side gags for watching this guy just flail oh, trying man. to play tennis. It was like that. It I'll, all I could think of was that part in Thirty Rock where John Hamm is trying to play tennis with Tina Fey, and he's like perf like the perfect guy, and he's like terrible. At t- he's just absolutely awful, and she beats him, and he's like, "This never happened to me before." And it's just, it's so funny. And they never call it out. And Albert Brooks, just because he's brilliant, just lets it play out as a joke you need to pick up on yourself. Yes. As it's going on. And it's, that's what we were referring to with like subtle physical comedy. It's like, he doesn't point it out. He just lets it happen. And then by the time the scene's over, you're like, oh my God, did you see that that was happening? That was so funny. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's like, it's a combination of like that. And then like having kind of like Jeff Brooks bridges who um, up until this point has been kind of like the one leading Albert Brooks down this path with the muse and like confidently demonstrating that like, it is a good idea. Like having kind of his like confidant and the you know, the person who I think is kind of like the person with like the power between them and the dynamic kind of like fail like this over and over and over again is extremely humorous. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the other really funny things about this is that everyone who uses the muse is like flailing. Yes. Would they're all these like supposed geniuses and all flailing like whether it's reiner or cameron or puck or scorsese or bridges they're all like desperate lunatics (laughs) yeah it is like honestly like desperate lunatics looking for whatever snake oil yeah they can find to maintain their uh their their fragile position in hollywood the funniest thing about this this everyone who hasn't made it is doing things like going to psychics and joining Scientology or CrossFit or UCB. Yeah. <laughs> Desperate <laughs> flailing attempts to get in and yes. to find some sort of club that accepts them and to feel like full. And then once you're in, you're just trying to fake it because you're so desperate because you have nothing else. <laughs> and you're just yeah. Like- <laughs> and 
and it leads to it leads to what happens in this movie like that these sort of like these sort of uh these sort of environments kind of lead to uh the the big revelation about sharon stone yeah yeah or that may or may who knows like but it's yeah it's all everyone's a phony yeah (laughs) everyone's a charlatan no one really has much to and you know that gets back to what we were talking before we jumped on patrick and i were talking about this new film that came out called the beta test Mm -hmm. uh from jim cummings and pj mccabe it's a joint directed film but jim cummings is kind of the one who everyone talks about because he's also the lead actor in the film Mm -hmm. um again that's another one though that does this exact same thing just shows the inherent emptiness of all of this just like rot gutted emptiness <laughs> and, and I, I i mean we both we both really liked beta test yeah and um darker film than this but it would be a fun double with the muse i think about desperate men in hollywood 100 i think a very fun double i mean yeah again the beta test goes into much more um yeah grimmer Stuff. Yeah, it's there's, a darker there's, film. There's there's blood and murder, and <laughs> hammer attacks, and things of that nature in the beta test, and in just general terrible behavior. But um, but I think both films do a great job of demonstrating the unmoored quality of uh, being someone trying to make it or maintain their status in Hollywood. Like there is just like everyone's just trying to grab onto something. Knowing. Keep- yeah, and I, I always get this feeling every time I go to like a, I don't know, like a party here mm-hmm. or something like that. It's always this feeling of like this battle when you have not made, like a lot of people come here with this very innocent idea that they just want to like create. They want to be artists. They want to like make stuff. Mm-hmm. Whenever you go to any of these parties here, Literally, no one is talking about making stuff. They're just talking shit. They're just trying to like hang on as tightly as they can to whatever cred that they have. And just it is fascinating that it's kind of like comes from this incredibly innocent and pure and kind of neat place mm-hmm. of wanting to create, but it gets curdled so quickly by everyone because the people in charge and the people who run it have become such empty vessels. And yeah. I, I, I mean, maybe this is naive of me, but I think most people do. Come, I mean, maybe not nowadays where it's become, so, you know, kind of more of a business kind of techie kind of thing. But I think a lot, at least back in the, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood days, whenever people mm-hmm. came here because they were like, oh, this seems neat. I'm kind of an outcast. I'm a, I want to make stuff. Mm-hmm. And boy, it is it is fucking hard to maintain that innocence. Yeah, it is. It's truly, um, it is truly, and over time, as you realize how difficult it is to, like, make the things you want to make, the desperation kicks in, and that is how you end up with, like, the muse, or, like, Scientology, or UCB, like, there's, like, this, uh... Whatever the next thing is. Yeah, like, you're trying to find that in, you're trying, you're a mouse on a sinking ship, trying to find a, uh, 
a crack that and and the bow that will lead to like one of the few lifeboats and yeah yeah, you'll eat another mess to do it like you'll 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 chew through the other mess's stomach you know if another mouse tells you to you know i don't know it's well then also like once you finally if you're one of the lucky ones who get in then you all you can ever remember is kind of the pain of what it took to get that far and you will Ooh. hang on desperately and you get even grimmer and uglier yeah. and you want to spread it and you're pissed off that like oh these mice you know i had to chew you have to now too yes yeah it's, yeah. It's yeah dark dark world and all of this in this name of like making these like a fun romp like paternity. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. It's like yeah. All the all of what we said, like the clawing through someone else's flesh, that led to Spanglish. That yeah. <laughs> you, you you killed a man to get to Spanglish. Boy, Congratulations. Like, throw up your hands. Or you're just like, what the hell is any of this? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that got existential. Right there. Dark darkness. <laughs> the core. We found the core. The, the yeah, evil core. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm Axl Rose at the beginning of the Welcome to the Jungle video getting off the bus on Sunset Boulevard. I'm just getting back on the bus. I'm heading back to Indiana. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, no, we're going to wait for yeah. I'm waiting for Chinese democracy. Yeah, I'm just going to keep I'm going to leave you all waiting for Chinese democracy. <laughs> yeah, <too>. sorry, guys. <laughs> but even that, you know, oh, boy, this is. Yeah, I remember because like I, I, I grew up a huge fan of Guns right. and Roses. We talked about it in the Terminator 2 mm-hmm. episode. Um. Chinese Democracy was a record that was like this like mythic thing for a decade. Everyone was like, oh, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Then it came out. It was okay. Yeah. And then it was completely and utterly forgotten. Wow. Yeah. It's just like, and the Guns N' Roses now just does like nostalgia tours where they play Welcome to the Jungle, which is cool. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But after all that, it's like, it's into Wait. thin air. You're telling me you don't listen to songs like Shackler's Revenge? Yeah, no, I, I, I haven't. I, I mean, I have not returned to it, but I don't know if anyone has. And that's like, maybe it's because it was like, okay, it didn't like change anyone's life. But it's like, yeah, that is the other like, I mean, like the funniest thing I talk about it all the time, you know, you go on Amazon and we were talking about that with the like, go down five deep mm-hmm. in the customers who watch this also watch this thing mm-hmm. you find movies that it's like someone somewhere was Stephen Phillips Albert Brooks's character in this movie and was writing this movie and they put everything into it uh. <laughs> the livelihood of their family the mortgage payments <laughs> their self-esteem and respect yeah and now it's five deep on Amazon and someone out there were telling jokes about, hey, we're the only people in America who watch this movie today. <laughs> yeah, it is like, yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, someone out there put their blood, sweat and tears into making twin sitters. Yeah. Yeah. Like and like, it's just like it's it is depressed. It is like, I mean, you know. It's. It's interesting too, because like I think like there's like a, a point too where I feel like there was a time when it used to maybe like way, way early on in cinema more, but it used to be viewed more as a profession, I feel like. And then at some point it went from a profession to a vocation and like or not a vocation. What am I trying to say? Like something that's like a calling. Well, it, it went from a uh, vocation to a calling. And it became like 
I mean, the way that they, you know, people at award shows and stuff like, or the the think piece columnists when they're talking about a particular movie that says something about how, quote, we live now. Um, heroes. Yeah. Like it's a heroic craft. No. And it's like, you gotta, like, if you have that mindset. You get a swirly from Howard Hawks if he heard you talk like that. Yeah, <laughs> Howard Hawks would give you the purple lurple. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's have another. You, you, you sound like you've had too much to drink, son. You're full of shit. And I didn't yeah. think anyone in 1944 could have too much to drink. Yeah, James Whale would just beat the shit out of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, you're getting dunked on by Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just doing this to <laughs> support my. Yeah. Uh... And I and Tarantino talked about that too. I think on that episode of PCP, of um, the difference between like how in the like in the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood era, they were craftspeople. They mm-hmm. went to work. They did their job. They tried their best. They mm-hmm. wanted the actors still always wanted the adulation and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. everyone else was just like, okay, we're making you know, an episode of Lancer this week, we're making an episode of the Rifleman next week and Virginia and the week after that, all on the same set. <laughs> you know, it's, and we just kind of do it. This is our job. This is our community. It was more of a village than it is. But this kind of gets back to that broader issue of like culture is all we have left. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, uh, no there's no hope politically. Or like, no, yeah. There's <laughs> never a capitalistic been system or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, literally, it's so grim that literally cha- change is never going to happen. And so we're at a point where, like, all we can hope for is, like, change in the metaverse. That's, like, literally, that's literally where we're at right now. You know, we won't be able to, like, you know, get Medicare for all. But you know what? Uh, Goofy is gay now. Gay goofy, you know what yeah. I mean? Or like yeah. it's like and it's just and nothing to and not to like that'd be cool if Goofy was gay. Like that's yeah. great, but it's also like it just it's, it's there's something extremely uh depressing about like it just we well, it's are just another it's another treat and reason to stay home and not and pretend nothing is going on outside your door. Oh yeah, and like and then and everything I, is okay if Goofy's gay. Yeah, and well, and then on the other side of that too, like as if like the other side's getting their version of treats. For every goofy gay, there's a fucking, hey, Garfield, he's actually a Lutheran. Like, or whatever. <laughs> like, there's like there's the flip side of it. Or like, you know, or like uh, fucking well, no, Big Bird get, supports the, the other, troops. But the other know. side, because they get their juice, the the uh, the action being the juice for the other side of being, like, uh. being, being rotten and cruel <laughs> and finding the juice in that. It's like now, you know, Big Bird is an enemy of the state. Uh, yeah, big, yeah, big bird. Yeah, big bird's gonna get fucking hung. Yeah, hung, drawn, and quartered by QAnon. They're gonna do January sixth to fucking uh, Sesame, on the, the Sesame Street. Street. <laughs> Sesame Street. <laughs> so, but this is it. This is a funny movie. This is this the movie's you know, good. Um, back to this. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ebert gave it three stars, and I think he's pretty good on this mm-hmm. movie. Is good, but not great. Brooks, not the equal of Lost in America, or Mother, but smart. Funny and edgy, mm-hmm. yeah, edgy. Hey, did not did not lose his edge on this one. I think it's, no. I think it's um, it's a really fun movie. I was a little nervous. I thought this one maybe he was losing it. I don't know, like the poster and it looked bad. It did look bad, yeah. and I and it was like the first one that had a um a negative Rotten Tomato score. Yeah, so I was a little concerned, but uh, our man 
He's uh he's six or six. I liked it. I thought yeah, it was oh, fun. same here. Actually, I'm so glad that like I feel like this is like the first time where we've kind of like uh unearthed the gem that we think has been, you know, misappraised or whatever. Like I think like like I don't know, it's nice. It's nice. I mean, to... we, we we've watched a couple, like I think going in style. Oh, that's good, true. Like, that's that got true. good reviews and was a hit, but nobody's talking about it. But I mm. think it was really a nice movie going back to that one i thought that was a really really good movie i think going in style is actually a better movie than the muse oh duh yeah yeah um, i think the go going in style is incredible that's a great yeah, it's a yeah. genuinely good movie uh muse is really fun though and i yeah. i give it i give it a recommendation i thought it was a good good yeah. a really good time there was some very funny moments um interesting subplot to the muse that kind of goes back to what we were talking about about the rod of hollywood though uh fascinating controversy here so um sharon stone was nominated for best actress in a comedy at the golden globes for this oh, film. man it is a fine performance it's yeah. fun it's it fun she's does, quirky. It's quirky yeah it does what it needs to do yeah uh but nothing to really like no it's like a, home about yeah. or, you know, or anything like that she, she, yeah uh, it's totally serviceable so helmet voss who if you had to guess who the president at one point of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's name was, would you have guessed Helmut Voss? Because I would have. <laughs> no, it sounds like a fucking bad, like the boss of fucking Return to Wolfenstein. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's either some like strange German name or like some salacious Italian name. Yeah, has to be the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press. Um learned that all 82 members and i it's still stunning that there are only like 82 members <laughs> what a what a terrible organization yeah um, oh god they had received from either sharon stone or usa slash october films which is now focus features um gift luxury watches someone had given a, a great watch to every single member someone related to this movie gave every member of the Hollywood Foreign Press a watch. And <sighs> they were considered promotional items. <laughs> uh, Voss ordered the return of the gifts to protect the integrity of its award. We should move to, like, Serbia and just join the... Let's, like, move to Belgrade. You know, start like you know, uh, Academy Academy East, and let's just become members of the Hollywood Foreign Press. Yeah, let's... I I think yeah, let's get it. Let's get in on this Hollywood Foreign Press thing. It seems like a sweet deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's definitely nothing. There's definitely had no controversy surrounding it as of late. No, no, no. But that's the other thing that we say. They suck. Oh, they are corrupt and racist and everything down the line. They're bad. Yeah, they. Suck. And there's a reason they have been kind of wiped. Yeah. From at all at the same time though why were we taking them seriously to begin with oh it's a fucking scam it was just from the beginning all of it is it's all of it is i mean the guy who figured out how to run the modern oscar campaign was harvey weinstein it's all bad it's all bad (laughs) don't worry don't worry though because uh arthur from the arthur cartoon he he is now going to plant a tree on Arbor Day. <laughs> they're they're going to do an Earth Day episode of Arthur. And yes. Everything will be better. Everything is okay. Get your uh, your dirt cup. It's Earth Day. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, man. We're in wow. hell. It's uh, I'm like so. I didn't, this... see, I didn't see this coming. I did not yeah, see this we, coming. The views is so light and fun. It's a good time. <laughs> it's great. It's Watch the views. It's 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 like the least cynical in a weird way of all of our outside of defending your life out of all of Albert Brooks's movies. Yeah. And yet this is where we ended up. I don't know how. Boy, when you don't have any level of a script for the podcast episode you're recording, <laughs> this kind of thing happens. Yeah. You just you're you're you're, you're soloing, you're 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 fruit you're ripping. When your when your research for the episode involves watching each movie's last each of the movies last Tuesday and then <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> taking a quick glimpse at Wikipedia. <laughs> this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> hey, folks, we're not we we're, we don't have we don't have the those Longworth Patreon money. We're you know we can't we can't research that we we're we're just two guys. We're just two dudes who are trying to get by. <laughs> yeah, and we're both simultaneously jaded and. <laughs> <laughs> cynical listening, uh, to a, listening to a lot of um leftist on the verge of conspiracy podcasts <laughs> yeah oh yeah no no yeah totally yeah i'm probably one uh bad podcast away of just like <laughs> becoming a a member of whatever the leftist version of QAnon is like i'm like one i'm one uh <laughs> it's antifa <laughs> 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 oh, ghosts! Scary ghosts! <laughs> Scooby, get your Scooby snacks. Oh, gosh, I'm gonna unmask you and realize we, we unmask the leader of Antifa, and it's Nancy Pelosi. What are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Eric Andre uh, outside of the DNC screaming in that one <laughs> video, just like ah. <laughs> 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 don't get us wrong folks this is a fun movie and it might yeah. inspire you to, i mean i will say at the end of my final thought on the muse is that um gotta get my hands on some of those cookies that mm-hmm. annie mcdowell's making they look great like, yeah. oh, oh and also at the end of it where albert brooks is working at her cookie shop very very funny <laughs> Very, very funny. <laughs> Again, the, oh, yeah. the the fade Albert Brooks character always deserves <laughs> purgatory. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, it's just like yeah, he's like the little kid that like uh, that helps. Th- that's like kind of bullying him. It's so it's fun. It's such fun. a good. Yeah, it's just like the kid who's bullying him and uh, lost in America when he's the crossing guard. Oh yeah, it is legit. Like yeah, that same family. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's the same kids who are beating him up in broadcast news. It's just yeah, like, they turned out to be monsters, and so did he. Wonderful world. Yep. Speaking of monstrous characters, though. Oh no. We move on. So that was 1999 for Albert Brooks. As usual, JLB is a few years behind. He takes his time, lets things marinate a bit. Coming <laughs> off of uh, gigantic success in the. Like the crazy success of the crazed film as good as it gets. Yeah, it's a weird world we live in where like defending your life, uh, a modest hit, maybe. If if that, probably not even a hit. And then as good as it gets, blockbuster. Yeah, just like on par with like Terminator 2, just like <laughs> and say like, yeah, it's in the zeitgeist. Everyone has as good as everyone's everyone is as good as it's getting. It's when you put your yeah. head in the air like Jack Nicholson in the poster. Or just telling people you have a mild case of OCD like <laughs> <Yeah>. Jack Nicholson. 
or when you loudly ask why there are Jews at your table. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, no, I, I, you know, we were racist there, but in my defense, so was Jack Nicholson and as good as it gets, and he got away with it. Oh, God. Yeah, what a bad man. And that movie was like the heartbeat of America. It really summed up some sort of America. Uh, okay, we gotta get out of this spiral. We gotta. Get- okay, we'll try our best, but I actually, uh, I'm doubtful. Oh All yeah, right. no, we're we're going into a bigger uh, word pool. Keep in mind, so, it's Spanglish. In 2004, James L. Brooks returned to the cinemas. Did not write and direct until uh, for another seven years after As Good as It Gets. And I don't. It is crazy that it takes this long for these movies that don't really like. Nothing really happens in any of them. Like it's not like there's some like um amazing. It's not like he's writing like Memento here, or it's no. like a, like a, like a, yeah. like a hard like. Ooh, this is a the structure is like we got to really work this out. This isn't like a fucking Swiss watch, you know, that's <laughs> no. expertly crafted with intricate. No. Yeah. On that note, Chris Nolan's dropping movies every three years, and his movies seem a lot hella, hella harder. Than, than oh, totally. Even if, like, maybe, like, you know, the characters aren't as, like, richly detailed or whatever dumb thing, like, way more difficult to make a movie like Tenet than... i tell you uh, what, I, I want to... I, I tell you what, though, it's like Joseph Gordon-Levitt fighting in a gravity-free room that's spinning. I'll take it any day of the week. Oh, that rules. That's yeah, great. Rules. <laughs> yeah, though, yeah. If anything, this movie should have a scene like that where... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Floor is doing battle with Taylioni in a gravity-free room. <laughs> yes! Then I'm I'm in. I'm Chloris totally Le- in. Chloris Leachman just getting ragdolled. <laughs> just like, she is, she is not... <laughs> she's, she's skiing down a mountain backwards, <laughs> blasting bad guys like Tom Hardy. Lee. Clarice Leachman is like a light in this movie. She is like she was my Christopher uh, Christopher Walken yeah. in this film. We're like it's something very very funny though. Now thinking about it, it's like we were talking about like why aren't Albert Brooks movies successes? It's like well, if you look, Chris Nolan's movies are successes, and they have things like shooting off into black holes in a one man <laughs> spacecraft, yeah. or like gigantic waves the size of mountains, or <laughs> backwards fights. It's like. No kidding. I want to see that more than any of this crap anyway. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, and like, and James L. Brooks, like, he used to have a little bit of that in him. Like, like remember? Like, this has set pieces. It does have set pieces in it. It has, like, thrilling moments. Yeah. Or, like, even, like, when you look back at, like, Terms of Endearment, like, the moment where, like, Jack Nicholson is, like, driving a car with his knees... In the, he, at the beach? Even going to that beat, though, where Shirley MacLaine is demanding the medication. Yeah! At least it's like this like heightened moment where it's like, okay, we're here. We're like peeking out at like how we're supposed to feel in a way, yeah. in a way about like what's going like what's like and the way like it's edited together the the scene where William Hurt's doing the news and Holly Hunter's in his ear and she's also on the phone with Albert Brooks and the way that's cut together. That's like a thriller. And yeah. Um, based on his last three movies, we're not seeing that. <laughs> As these are like hangout movies, but you don't like anyone you're hanging out with. <laughs> it's kind of like the, yeah, and I it, think it, what's it, happening in these in these movies? It's also important to state up front that this film is uh, positioned like they frame it as uh, the daughter of 
floor, like the daughter of the, the maid's daughter's admissions essay to Princeton. to Princeton, which apparently was she just like hanging, hanging from the wall, Norm McDonald and Jack and Jill style while Adam Sandler was in the fucking restaurant. I wish. Cause, yeah, because there's moments where like she wasn't there. This makes no sense, you dumb fucking movie. All right, we'll get to it in a sec here, but I'm a quick mad. question, so quick question that I want to hang over all of this. What did you enjoy watching more? Jack and Jill or Spanglish? Oh, Jack and Jill. Yeah, I think Jack so and too. Jill with yeah, a bullet. So Jack and Jill had like, you know, Jordan yeah, Beef. Yeah, yeah, that he... soccer scene where she blasted the ground. <laughs> yeah, he did eat the peppers. Yeah. There was there was life. We were that... Like, that movie was oh, that movie has Duncachino. Yes. Yeah, there's no Duncachino in Spanglish. Yeah, that movie had more honesty and was somehow somehow less racist than Spanglish. Amazing. Insane. Oh, wow, what a what a insane. Yeah, by being like crass and completely completely unpolite, it was more honest. Yeah, it was more and like accessible. Like there's an accessibility and like uh, and an egalitarianness to Jack and Jill that Spanglish will never. Ugh, yeah. God. Okay, so let's get down to it. It came out in two thousand four. I just want to uh, take a nap and never wake up. Written, <laughs> written, directed, and produced by James L. Brooks, uh, starring Adam Sandler, Paz Vega, Taya Leone, Cloris yeah. Leachman, um, and some kids. Yeah, uh, the the guy who made Everybody Loves Raymond cameos is the uh, sous yeah. chef. Phil Rosenthal drops in. Thomas Hayden Church, who boy, when he drops in for his one scene, you're like, I know exactly what he's doing in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love God. I love him. I love him. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I think he's terrific. Yeah, he was born to cut people. Like he which, has. Which brings me to another point. This is like a bad Alexander Payne movie. Yes. Which uh, Jen brought up because Jen compared it to The Descendants, which came out ten years later. But The Descendants is a, in my opinion, vastly superior. Oh, Descendants is great. Like Descendants that's what, is a genuinely great movie. Yeah, that movie <laughs> rules. That movie is so uh, interesting and fun, as opposed to this movie, which is like um, my one hundred thirty-one minutes. God, yeah, it's like uh, why, why. Uh, it's like I could be doing so much with my life right now. <laughs> could be. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> so <laughs> we we should note ahead of time too. This movie was budgeted at eighty million dollars. Eighty million. Yeah. yeah. Paul, Thomas th- An- Paul Thomas Anderson could do with eighty million dollars. Oh, God, do, do they, do Actually, they... I think I think Magnolia cost it about eighty million dollars. <laughs> do they actually buy the house they were filmed in? Like I'm really like. It's, oh, it's... I mean, they bought Sandler at the house. I yeah. Oh, it's true. Like, uh, yeah. It made fifty-five million, which uh, that's crazy to the me. Math, math, not good there. Um, yeah. Fifty-three uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Critical consensus: Paul's Vegas shines, and Adam Sandler gives a performance of thoughtfulness and depth. But Spanglish is ultimately undermined by sitcommy plotting and unearned uplift. Decent consensus. Their Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, um, too decent. Hans Zimmer was nominated for Best Original Score at the GGs. What? And 
Why not? I don't know what else happened that year. Yeah, but did, did Hans Zimmer give everyone like a, a, a did he did Hans Zimmer personally go to every HFPA member's house and teach them how to make the sandwich from Spanglish? Yeah, he must have. And uh, <laughs> Cloris Leachman was nominated for outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Uh, um, I, I mean, think the, the, the James L. Brooks because okay, so I saw this movie when it came out. Obviously, yeah, we have made it clear over sixty episodes. We are Sandler heads on this show. We don't miss a lot of Sandler stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was excited for this one. Uh, JLB cast Sandler after seeing Punch Drunk Love. So speaking of Paul Thomas Anderson, JLB to PTA. Um, And, you know, I guess to start off with, I think Sandler's pretty good. Yeah. In the movie. He does what he he does what he can. He plays Mm -hmm. a part of John Klasky uh, in this film. Mm -hmm. And uh, He's just like that's what movie stars do. You just buy him. You just like being around him. Yeah. You believe him. You you want to go on a journey with him. I actually think that he has some very good is despite the quality of the material he's forced to work with, he has some true moments where I kind of feel empathetic towards his character. Like he has yeah. like one scene with Floor where he's in the car and like uh He's like crying. He's like on the verge of tears. Maybe like one or two tears are going down his eyes. He kind of like wipes his like eyes yeah. on like the his like seatbelt. And I I genuinely felt for his character because this was after this was after kind of a not like a scene that was kind of odious, like just an, an evil scene. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So get to get to, yeah, let's get into the story of Spanglish here. What mm. there is. So as Patrick mentioned, it's kind of um, bookended by this. Uh, essay by Christina Moreno uh, to get into Princeton that tells the story of a year from her childhood and how it shaped the person she is today. So her mother is Flora Moreno, played by Paz Vega, who comes to America from Mexico to seek a better life for her and her daughter. Uh, She's trying to get by. It's obviously tough. And her her so her cousin helps her get work as a housekeeper for the Klaskis, John played by Adam Sandler and Deborah played by Taya Leone. They have two children, uh, the developed Bernice and the less developed Georgie. <laughs> and yeah. they also live with Deborah's alcoholic mother, Evelyn, who's played by Cloris Leachman. Uh, John is a brilliant chef and perhaps an even more brilliant dad. <laughs> yeah, he's the perfect dad. Also in my head canon, uh, he's the guy who co-headed Klasky Chuspo, who like you know did the work. I uh, produced like the first three episodes of the, animated the first three seasons of The Simpsons, mm. and also Rugrats. And then uh, he got tired of animation, so he he went into cooking. That's I have my- a feeling, uh, probably that may have been where James L. Brooks got that name. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. He a hundred percent got Klasky. No, class- no yeah. verification on that, but a good guess. Yeah, it um, has to be. <laughs> like, Deborah- yeah, you, you don't just pull out a Klasky. <laughs> Yeah, Deverett is a stay-at-home mom. Oh, James L. Brooks does have good names. Yeah, true, true. All, all okay. his movies, all of his movies, he the characters got cool names. Yeah, um, Garrett Breedlove, great name. Garrett Breedlove. Burke oh, that's Larry McMurtry though. Burke, Burke Adler. That that's rules. a fun name. That's a good name. Yeah. Even um, you know, going back to what William Hurt's character in uh, Broadcast News, he's got a good name. I, why am I blanking? Yeah. 
Tom Grunick. Yeah, Grunick Tom is Grunick a great and, name. Yeah, they, everyone's got a cool name, you know, even going to Melvin Udall. Fun oh, name. Melvin Udall. That's another good name. Okay, I'm on I'm on board now. Yeah, a lot, I'm being, a lot I'm being, of good names. I'm being too harsh. Maybe I don't want to go to sleep and never wake up again. Maybe I'll take that. I'll take that back for now. Well, no, because I think the thing about Spanglish, I mean, I saw this in 2004. I was underwhelmed. Yes. And then almost 20 years later, when we were going into watching this movie, I was very hopeful that I was wrong in 2004. So maybe 20 years from now, I'll be like, you know, (laughs) let's give Spanglish another shot. Yeah. Next year in Jerusalem, next year Spanglish will be good. Uh, Oh, man. I don't know. Like, it is like, it was, this, this, it was this restaurant in this neighborhood in Seattle that I lived in, mm-hmm. this, this uh, Irish pub. My roommate and I, we'd go there every six months because <laughs> we were like, this place has got to be good. Every time we were like, eh, service isn't that great. The food's kind of bad. The vibe isn't as good as we'd like it to be. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, then six months later, we're like, hey, let's give that try. Let's give it a try. <laughs> Ever, <laughs> the Spanglish of Irish pubs. Um, well, a phrase that has never been said it's before. Never been spoken, breaking new ground in um, the Academy Academy once again. So, um, Deborah's a single mom. As we mentioned, Evelyn is a quiet alcoholic. Um, Floor goes to the interview for the job, meets them all. Uh, and we discover the character of Deborah. It's uh, a businesswoman, now stay at home mother. I'm going to read the Wikipedia description of Deborah. Now wait for this. <laughs> I think this is important because this will, this is not our words. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Uptight and neurotic, Deborah upsets everyone, psychologically abuses and body shames daughter Bernice. She bullies John, demanding he always back her up. He is t- torn between defending his kids' mental well being. And his domineering wife. Um, in another more nuanced film, this would be the study of a woman, a human being, coming apart. Yes. Truly coming apart. Um, At the very more, least, assessing her own traumas and what led to her being this way. Led to this behavior. Yeah. In another movie, Deborah would be a fascinating character that would inevitably be nominated for like a Best Actress of the Academy Awards. Yeah kind of part because there is a lot going on with Deborah. Unfortunately, she has been placed in a what was at least sold as and probably written as a light dramedy. <laughs> She's a monstrous character. Is uh, that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, no. It's kind of like if you took all the like, you know, nagging wife characters and like shitty 90s sitcoms. And, and heightened them to the yeah. furthest. Yeah, you the... took you took the worst parts of them. Kind of like you know how like they take like the worst parts of like pork, chicken, and beef to make hot dogs. Like this is like a, a Frankenstein of of evil traits. It's we, just... we may have been building this. Yeah. We may have been building this with all of the movies with poorly written female wife or girlfriend characters yeah. that we've met along the way. Has all been leading to Deborah. Um James L. Brooks hates her. It seems. Yes. With a and passion. poor Taylioni, who undoubtedly thought this was on page and on paper a dramatic role of real heft. stature and heft. And, you know, considering the fact, too, that 
Polly Hunter was nominated. The female roles that James L. Brooks has provided people over the years. So Shirley MacLaine won. Deborah Winger was nominated. Holly Hunter was nominated for Broadcast News. Helen Hunt was nominated and won for As Good As It Gets. There is a lineage here of like star making or star solidifying major and good roles for women. Yeah, and and you you can't, and if I was in Tia Leone's like I would give, if I was in a similar situation, a comparable situation, I'd give James L. Brooks the benefit of a doubt because based on my knowledge, like, he's good at this. Like, you know, broadcast news is great. Uh, Terms of endearment, lauded as a classic. As good as it gets, you know, people are probably like, oh, this is like a new, it's kind of like join the pantheon of new classics or whatever around the time. You know, it's, uh, you gotta feel like... uh, if I could go back in time and just be like, hey, you know, this is less of a this is less of a Al Pacino incentive of a woman, more of a Justin Bartha in Chile. You got to. Yeah, <laughs> you got to run. It's it's rough. And I, here's a few notes on the production. So filming took six months. Too long. Um, three and with three additional reshoot days later on in the year, he produced three endings. For the film he shot several scenes 15 to 25 takes he did not feel the film was totally complete although the script did not change much during shooting um describing the length of production brooks said it's amazing how much more perverse you are as a writer than as a director i remember just being so happy that i painted myself into some corners while writing i thought it would make it more interesting well i had to wrestle with that as a director it was a different story his directing style drove the cats the cast bats especially Taylor leone um with cloris leachman describing it as free falling you're not going for some result it's just throw it in the air and see where it lands i'm not not great. <laughs> um, uh, I I I should know this, but I did, like has he always filmed this way, or was this like the- I think it, I think it turned into this, and I do think this goes back to kind of our is Polly Platt the hidden guru behind all of these people, um, which I think is possible because she has nothing really to do with this one, mm. and. It, they do seem to be these formless, tonally weird movies. The last, the last three, frankly, I'll do anything as good as it gets. And now Spanglish, um, and I have, you know, spoiler, I've seen the next movie when it came. I saw that when it came out too, and it follows suit, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the ups and downs. So, is this movie a dramedy? about this poor mother and her daughter meeting these crazy rich white people. (laughs) Is it a movie about a dad who's struggling to try and raise his kids in the face of an evil wife? Is it a psychological drama about a woman having a mental breakdown that no one around her is noticing (laughs) because the dad has fallen in love with the Spanish maid? Um, Um... who knows? Is any of it successful? Not really. No. Um, and we kind of go through the motions and the cruelty and insanity of the Deborah character just punishes everyone. Yeah. Around her. But it's still kind of like, 
I think that they're like, no, she's like almost like Melvin in um, As Good As It Gets. No, she's quirky. Well, no. Like Melvin, she's just kind of cruel. Yeah, it's it's quirk. But like, you know what? As Good As It Gets was on Melvin's side, though. To a certain degree. That's a good point, because we're not on her side in this movie. Oh, no, she is the villain. She's the the villain of the movie. Yeah, she is like, she is Arch. She's Cruella DeVille. She's Darth Vader. She is clearly the big bad. But like Darth Vader gets more humanization than this fucking character. But I mean, this goes back to like, okay, so like, you remember, um, what was Jeff Daniels name? And was it Rug? Or yeah, flap two yeah, flap, or whatever. Flap, yeah, rug, whatever. Yeah. Right, rug, flap. mud flap. Yeah, he was flap. <laughs> so he would be a villain in ninety nine percent of the movies. Yes, but they give him nuance. Yes, uh, Tom Grooning in Broadcast News even would be a villain. That's what makes those movies great. That's what makes them great. Yeah, one thousand percent. That's what makes them great is they, the balance mm-hmm. between the, the shades of gray. Yeah, the, the added aspects, depth. The yeah, added depth. Like even Albert Brooks in um, Broadcast News. Hundred percent. A whiny asshole who who is just selfish. Yeah. But you know, you like all they. You care about all of them because they have these modulations. Yeah. These ups and downs. Um, Deborah is never given one moment. No. In this movie. For you to say anything other than get out of there, Sandler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get, yeah. get your kids, even grab Cloris, pack up your Land Rover, and get out of there. You're the greatest chef in America. Yeah. You should also mention that, that he's the greatest chef in America. Yeah, he's the greatest chef in America. He, who doesn't, and Don pointed this out in a text chain, doesn't speak Spanish. What the fuck? Insane. Not yeah, even... how can you work? Jen, well, let's give Jen credit for that one, too. That was a Jen note on the movie. That, yeah. So Sandler has no way to communicate with Paz Vega, despite the fact that, which is not, it's, its own can of worms about his, like, manic pixie Mexican maid. Yeah. That he has created in his head. Uh, not good. I, no, not uh, healthy. Not, not healthy, good. Not healthy. <laughs> not good. Fairly, somewhat exoticized racism yeah go go to a fucking monastery um become celibate you freak but he can't communicate with her he does not speak a word of spanish and jen brought this up when we were watching he's like this guy's worked only worked in kitchens he's the greatest chef in america and he's never spoken a word of spanish like come on you dumb 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 movie Dumb. I, I want. I feel like uh, I want. This is like a dog that's shed on the carpet, and I'm spraying it with water. It's so, just like bad movie. They kind of like go back and forth. Sandler's too good of a guy to leave his family. Yeah, he's too perfect. He's too. He's Christ-like. too perfect. Yeah. And, but it. So like it kind of goes through this like motion somehow. So all of this leads up to this point where the. Oh, and all the cr- oh, geez, there's so many pieces. I'm sorry. I'm like, it's all coming back to me right now. Uh, so the daughter, Christina, kind of gets brought into the fold when they have to move to have to move to this Malibu beach. House. Yeah, that's a weird suburb. Uh, <laughs> I forget. And, I forget even how they framed that, where it's like uh, we I guess they just needed a live in maid. Yeah. And so then Tay Leone or Deborah, I'm not going to I'm going to call it Deborah. Tay Leone does not deserve 
to be associated with yeah, the, no, with, totally the, with the choices that this character Ma- makes. Madam Secretary deserves better. Madam Secretary does deserve better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, she already we were opened the show with a bunch of Duchovny jokes. <laughs> oh, but, no. uh, so Deborah takes a liking. <laughs> this is this is actually in a nutshell how awful this character is. <laughs> Deborah takes a liking to Christina, Flora's daughter. Because she's cute and skinny. Yeah, that's literally. Oh, it's evil. It's an and evil film. Bernice, their lovely daughter, who Sandler dotes upon endlessly. Yeah, is not a traditional like. Yeah, and, she's like she's like also like fucking eleven or something. I know shit. she's also eleven. Yeah, it like everyone matter. has like baby fat when they're that age. That's <laughs> it's crazy. Mattia Leone is a psycho, or Deborah is a total psycho who does this like goes on these jogs and does this crazy yoga stuff the craziest yeah. yo- craziest yoga scene we've seen since Gili. <laughs> yeah nothing will uh, top the yoga scene in Gili though we cannot ever oh no the That's... 10 minute the differences between men and women while jennifer lopez does scantily clad sexy yoga is uh, um God, what a says... mind melter that movie is yeah there's never, parts... never never gonna get over it I've lost parts of my brain forever to that movie. No, it was like there was a time in my life before I saw it, and there's a time in my life after I saw it twice. Yeah. Gotta go to the Baywatch. Gotta go to the Baywatch. Gotta do it. Oh, what? Have you ever been to Marie Callender's? Why do we? It's all over your head. Lick it up. Oh, my God. Oh, now it's imprinted. It's yeah, it's freaking imprinted on me. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I, I'm afraid one day I'm gonna like if I ever get married, I'm gonna like accidentally say we gotta go to the Baywatch instead of my vows when I get if I ever get married. I know, like, I know. It's like you get married at the beach. It's like we're getting married at the Baywatch. You, you, this we're not getting married. Yeah, over. no. The <laughs> wedding wedding is off. We gotta do the sad walk into the ocean at that point. I know. <laughs> Mar- the march into the sea. Yep. Gonna say hello to my friends in Atlantis. Yeah, but I, I think Sandler probably should have marched into the sea in this movie. That, that would probably would have been hit. That would have been cool. That would have been. That would have been like, hey, cool choice. Weird. Yeah, weird. So memorable. But basically, Deborah like takes on Christina as the surrogate daughter, gets yeah. her into this fancy private school, dyes her hair, buys her all these clothes, and she forces like tiny clothes on her other daughter that oh that seems horrible she fat shames her other daughter like all the time Constantly. her other daughter her, her other daughter her daughter is her, her real daughter, daughter her, her real daughter, daughter who like <laughs> and like by the end of the movie what's crazy too is like the the other daughter sort of fades out of the movie and you never really get a resolution for that well, the resolution is years of therapy yeah, is what's gonna happen to this poor girl? Is Adam Sandler like taking the daughter and the yeah, like you said, in the middle of the night and driving away in that Land Rover and take them all, return. get out yeah. of there. Uh, well, oh. and, so, oh, oh, and then we also find out that it's no, so, it's so funny that they try and play coy with it. Deborah's like, I gotta go out. I'm gonna be late tonight. There's this scene right at the top where Thomas Hayden Church shows up in a damn convertible. And you're like. Oh yeah, she's sleeping with Thomas Hayden Church. There's no question about it. This oh yeah, is not, like, this is not dramatic or surprising. This is <laughs> like, just like yeah, this is just it's when you see he like he, he just has the look. He is like a he's a house wrecker. He is. A there's house- a reason why he's the guy in Sideways. 
Yeah. It's like, and I don't think he's like this in real life at all. No, he's like a normal guy. Yeah, I'm sure he's like, I'm sure he's he's fine. But like that guy he plays in Sideways is like his definitive character. Yeah, is this like suburb? This guy who lives in Simi Valley, who's like a cad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, with I think it's like his hair too. I think yeah, that's he, like oh, he's he, got a great head of hair. Yeah, when he's he got has, like a great middle, and he wears like a Hawaiian shirt, and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's like, you know? Yeah, yeah, we know you know what this guy does. Yeah, this this, this guy is definitely yeah. This is Tommy Bahama over here. Yeah, and why on earth has Deborah presented anything else? All the 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 laundry list of bad behavior. Why would you believe for even a moment that she wasn't going to cheat on Sailor too? Yeah, no, it's just icing on the, it's just a shit cherry on the shit cake. Also, like, while all this is happening, like, Cloris Leachman is sort of just like, uh, and she's always kind of in the periphery, and she, it feels like her wine glass is always getting a little bigger, like that one yeah. Amy Schumer sketch. And like, she's, yeah, <laughs> visitors coming. I see yeah, the, cat, just, the cat's entering the bedroom. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, so but yeah and obviously like i think i texted you about this is like i understand why cloris leachman drinks oh Tattoo, yeah like i would want to drink my days away if i was living in this house too. escape but all these they're so rich and they have everything except they're the most miserable people in the entire world yeah oh she is yeah poor cloris leachman yeah she is forced to become like the sentient version of those like weird like cards you get at like walgreens with like the mat the mat the angry grandma mm-hmm. it's like it's wine o'clock here yeah interesting too um and bancroft originally had the part but had to drop out four weeks after four weeks of shooting because of illness and an interesting, <laughs> another interesting fact is that um pas vega could not speak english period wow and had to have a translator on set to communicate with james l brooks that's actually kind of interesting but it's interesting but it's also like is this all just a big fantasy of James Elbrooks? I don't know. I yeah, this might be. Oh, that's so funny. This is just like out, out, uh, like James L. Brooks's like horny dream. Mm-hmm. Like I'm this perfect guy. I make like the sandwich he eats. I make perfect movies, and my wife is a nightmare hell lady. And I just want my beautiful maid to recognize how perfect I I am. Who I can't communicate with, but boy, is she a babe. Yeah, (laughs) I can't communicate, yeah. I don't know her as a person at all, but boy, she seems wonderful. (laughs) Oh, man, what a great, yeah, what a great uh, 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 blank canvas for me to paint upon. I know. Yeah. She's beautiful and seems to be good to her daughter. She's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) God. That's so funny. It is that I'm, that's my that's no, my head cannon for this, this movie. This is also exactly what happened in the Schwarzenegger household. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's true. I have a perfect son with my maid. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I love uh, my bastard son. I love my bastard son. He does. I love uh, Arnold. Rules. Arnold. Arnold. Arnold's, uh, yeah. When he does it, it's cool. I know. No. Arnold, <laughs> Arnold, Arnold gets away with everything. It's just you like, stinker. I love the guy. You stinker. Yeah, he's a total stinker. You total stinker. You it's, a, it's fantastic. I've got a son. Okay. How? Look, okay. Hear me out. What about the version of Spanglish that's like that? Where it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Sandler role. Oh, if if Arnold played the Sandler role, I would. I, I think every ten years I would be like, I'm going to give Spanglish another shot. 
is like i feel like there's like uh, maybe that like i think part of it too is like schwarzenegger he's also an outsider too that immediately makes more sense it would have been so funny no change nothing yeah absolutely nothing about this movie but put Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is just as dour as Adams he's like Adam Sandler like okay god bless that I love Adam Sandler he's one of the greatest one of my favorite performers yeah uh, the fact that he wasn't nominated for an Oscar for Uncut Gems always it's, a, gonna... it's a crime yeah crime against humanity uh if, then... if, if you're one of these people who thinks Academy Award nominations or lack thereof are crimes oh yeah nothing matters it's all dumb but uh but still send the head of the Academy to the Hague for uh, hate crimes uh, yeah, but, I mean, uh, it doesn't matter i mean no no howie bling is gonna he's gonna last <laughs> oh yeah no he's fine it's all it's a like look all awards are dumb but yeah. that being said uh uh like adam sandler he's just sleepwalking it seems like half the time he's on laudanum it, it might be because he's just trying to not think about how terrible everything is around him <laughs> like art life is imitating art a little bit it, yeah it, it's just like so they've got like this very and i think brooks is correct to have it be very chaste between him and um floor mm-hmm. like just have it be like these two kind of like although you don't get to know floor this is actually my biggest thing so the entire movie is shaped around this princeton letter and how her mother is the most important person to her. Mm-hmm. And all leads up to this ending where literally it's like a horror movie in which Floor has to get her daughter out of this house as fast uh. as possible because everything is crumbling around them. They get outside and they have this big, because the daughter is like, oh, like I've gotten into this great school and I'm getting all this neat stuff. It's like, I could see as like a 12 year old being like, I don't want to leave this. Like, mm-hmm. Things are going pretty darn good for me. We have a pool now. Um, so Floor has to tell her why. Right. And they do it in front of this bus stop. Then the voiceover from the letter comes in and we just see Floor speaking in unsubtitled Spanish. Doing this entire dramatic monologue. So Floor why can't we see floor deliver the lines yes i want to hear what i want to know what she's saying you owe us that so meaningful we need to actually know what it what it is Nah, but i think you hit the hanger hammer the nail on the head i think you're right i think it is just like fucking james l brooks wants this beautiful like like thoughtless lady in his lane like to give her any like sense of self any any interior life would detract from what he finds desirable about her. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's and, truly yeah, it's grim stuff. It's grim stuff. He, but it's it's like it, that doesn't. And then the way they leave though, like Sandler is outside the gates of this fancy like their fancy compound, and like, away. And Sandler has the saddest look on his face. Uh, it's and so... he goes inside. The door shut behind him, and it's like. You're in prison, Sandler. <laughs> yeah, he is trapped in this. In this, like, because they never, um, there's never this moment where Deborah's like, I need to do better. Or I realize that I have been cruel to our children. Or, uh-huh. like, that part where they're leaving, Deborah's literally on the balcony looking through the window like she's a horror movie villain. And Floor's like, we have to go now. <laughs> like, it's like genuinely like an escape. 
rather than a moment of like, no, we need to live our lives right. Yeah, it's like it feels like a, it feels it, like a thriller where they need to escape this hell house. It feels like they're getting chased by fucking the Riddler or some shit. Like it is just like, like, <laughs> like Jason Voorhees. Yeah, exactly. Like Freddy is gonna an, emo- an emotion an emotionally cruel Michael Myers. The their, <laughs> the weapon instead of a butcher knife is like zingers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, passive aggressive comments about your weight. And, and then when you're t- and then when anyone questions your passive aggressive comments, you cry and play victim. Oh man, evil, mm-hmm. evil, evil movie. Well, it's yeah. It's Jen, Jen just said in the background. She's it's like the epitome of what everyone thinks rich white wine ladies are like yeah it is just like it is just like the uh every negative karen stereotype yeah it's every negative karen stereotype. might as well call the movie karen yeah Yeah. (laughs) except for the fact that it's not really addressed no like it isn't quest like like it 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 doesn't try and be more nuanced deborah is just a monster from first scene to last scene she's in. Um, and Adam is like tra- is trapped with her. Like, and Adam and, is trapped in a victim. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting too. Like one thing that is interesting you made me realize is like, yeah, they never like, I guess they kind of do. They have a moment in the end where they sort of like make up a little, but they never really like, it really isn't addressed. Like it, he's, you, he's broken by her. Yeah, you, you you get the sense at the end of the movie that they're just both going to be unhappy. Yeah, and so they're unhappy. So nothing is really resolved in their household. They learn nothing, and things are worse by the time the movie ends. The yeah. kids are destined for either being like shitty fail sons, yes, or just decades of therapy. Yeah, just um, brain ruined. Cloris Leishman is certainly going to drink herself today. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I would have been so funny if, uh, if, like, at the end of this movie, you go back to the uh, admissions, the Princeton admissions office, and the lady reading this letter was like, man, this fucking sucked, and threw it in the garbage. Yeah. Like, you like, almost, what? like, you almost want, like, after Florida's her bus stop speech, they look up into the Hollywood Hills and they just see a fire. <laughs> They just slowly smile, like, I know, like all is well. Yeah, like yeah. If they had like just wired the place to explode to put the Klasky family out of their misery. Yeah, Mrs. Henderson plays in the background. Here's to you, Mrs. Henderson. Yeah, it's just it. This I. It's weird because this movie does not really know what it wants to say about anything and the stuff that comes through is pretty toxic mm-hmm. um she does not make for like a wonderful viewing experience yeah um and it's 131 minutes um mm, yeah I, it's like uh you know maybe go I, for a walk or there's a lot of other things I, you can do i heard someone time. say that 130 minutes was the worst runtime for me really Okay, so if a movie is like 170 minutes, it's an epic, and you're trying. It's a big, big story. If a movie's 90 minutes, hey, mm, 
get in and get out. Wonderful, right. night, wonderful little easy going night. 131. It's like in the middle ground of like, what kind of, what is this? Yeah. Is it just an enjoyable romp or is it an epic like story of America? Yeah. Or something like that. Am I, am I watching Reds or am I watching uh, Dracula? Like I need like, give me the middle. This middle ground is confusing. It's yeah, exactly. It's confusing. Just like this movie. What is this movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a psychological trauma? Yeah. <laughs> is, is it like, yeah, is it torture porn in the vein of Hostel? Yeah, and also, um, it should be said that this movie's not funny. No. At all. Like, no. none of, if there are jokes, none of them hit or are recognizable as jokes. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'm just looking through my mode scene, because usually I'll, like, put down, like, you know, because for the muse, I wrote down all the stuff I found very funny. And like, yeah, there's nothing in this movie that like really stood out. Yeah. Like, it's I, it just doesn't know what it is. No. And I mean, I hate to I don't really you know, we shouldn't. Cast judgments here or whatever, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In between making as good as it gets and making Spanglish, James L. Brooks did go through a divorce of his wife of 20 years. <sighs> uh, so um, say what you will about yeah. what a screenwriter puts into their um, scripts that's from life or whatever. We don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, and it's rough. I get it. it, but, it yeah, but it seems as if he may have been working out some things from his personal life as far as we can tell and yeah. um it's a bummer that like it's yeah a bummer. yeah albert brooks can like you know he has demons it's clear in his movies that albert brooks has demons and he's able to like he wants to address them yeah he wants to get into it with him yeah and i think like maybe like the james l brooks's problem is he didn't realize his demons were demons yeah and it's there's something there and i think that there is kind of like it, it's disappointing because you if you think about some of his earlier movies and the idea of like that like skill and that kind of nuance and that kind of like fun and like world and inserting adam sandler into that is so it's so exciting like i want to see adam sandler in like the james l brooks who made broadcast news mm-hmm. era like what if uh, sandler had been the albert brooks part in broadcast news, like in some alternate dimension. That would have yeah. been cool. That would have been very great. interesting. Yeah, he would have crushed it. Yeah. And I and I think he's he I think he's got the talent. His skill set really does fit for that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um it's just this is just kind of a weird, formless, tonally bizarre, at times quite cruel, at times quite surface movie. Yeah, that doesn't really have much of a story <laughs> on top of all of it. It's it's a little it's, grim. It's it's not. I mean, there's there there are moments like I think Sandler and Paz Vega have good chemistry. I think San, the kids are good. Cloris Leishman's fun. Um, great looking houses. <laughs> uh, it, but it's just. Um, I mean, you 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 had also texted me though that uh, John Seal was the camera uh, cinematographer on this movie. Also did Mad Max Fury Road, like one of the most artistic, like one of the artistic achievements in cinematography, cinema, cinema history. Like it, it's it's uh... kind of like 
a visionary film just in general like what you can do with the medium and you know it goes to show going back to our conversation about like what can be done and what can't be done on these things like it's amazing that anything ever comes out it's amazing that anyone gets out of their own way enough to make anything it's enough that we are sitting here 60 episodes in still like in love with movies despite all that we talked about earlier about how yeah gross everything is and you know what there is there there is something perversely beautiful about um the flower of spanglish blooming like somehow in spite of like all common sense and uh just this happened this movie occurred exists yeah and and they all did and these people had life moments and yeah it's 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 kind of weird because it's now it's just this thing you know it's from 2004 it's like a movie that sandler did Mm -hmm. like it isn't special it's just kind of there and it's almost like yeah it's the fourth customers who watch this watch that you know moment (laughs) oh spanglish someday somebody like us will be like 25 years old and see it and be like oh that could be interesting i give it a go uh, like, yeah. And then say to them, says, wow, wild. This, what a thing. <laughs> this, this is out there. <laughs> this exists. <laughs> this exists. Like paternity, Spanglish exists. You're <laughs> <laughs> here first, folks. Yeah, like much like Burt Reynolds. Hey, another movie I did once. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, every every movie's a miracle. Every, yeah. <laughs> there, you know, for as ugly as this movie can get, it's it it, it <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk myself into watching it again. No, someday. Don, no, Don. Some someday. I guarantee I will talk myself into watching it again uh, and trying to find something, something more in it. I just think, I think our man has been off. You know, we talked about it before. He he needs to go play stickball with Al Pacino in the park and kind of relive what it was like to be out in the world get out of the get out of malibu get out of beverly hills get out of the pacific palisades kind of see see how things work right again because and uh, send an apology letter to tay leone yeah <laughs> like say you know, I maybe like send i could have done more for you like send one to like sarah Steele to the I, little girl yeah, yeah like like man just uh although she um sarah Steele, i guess is on um did the good wife and she's on the good fight oh that's great that's she's been working we're doing some regular tv okay so you know what for her. there we go that's good good yeah. good for her but yes i can't for as for the for the surprising heights of the muse that we the dramatic lows of spanglish are just as kind of interesting kind of something to wrap your head around um, yeah uh yeah i can't can't totally recommend spanglish but no you know i think you've most people who are listening have probably already made their call on that yeah <laughs> you're already you're already you're, uh, a sandler fan who wants to a sandler completist or you are like i don't think that's for me <laughs> from the start <laughs> um but so going into next week we are reaching the final two to this to date directorial films 
from Albert Brooks and James L. Brooks. Um, I don't know if they're going to make more. We'll talk mm-hmm. about it more next week, I imagine. Um, the two, one movie I am like not seen, which is Albert Brooks's looking for comedy in the Muslim world where he plays himself. I am I'm back to square one. I am fascinated. I am. I'm fascinated. Stoked. I'm curious. I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's like, cause like on paper, that sounds scary. Yeah. On yeah. Paper, scary. <laughs> From paper, 2005. Scary. Yeah. Just like knee, that knee, year. Deep, knee deep in the Iraq war. Um, I'm like concerning, concerning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Radioactive, potential. but you know what? Like I has went he, into has the, he, has he, um, has he done wrong yet? If he can like, yeah, if he can pull off uh, making a movie with that title, like, dude. That came out in that year? I'll get yeah. a tattoo. Yeah, maybe I'll get a... I won't get a tattoo. I can't do that. But I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll, be like, man, dude, I'm, I'm a Brookster for life. I'm, oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, we already are. Let's, like, we already are. Yeah, let's, we're all in. We're, we're, we're all in. Com- yeah, Love we're committed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and... Um, oh, and we should note, too, um, between Mother and... Gosh, we didn't talk about it. Other than the muse, he made, he did a voice work in Doctor Doolittle. Is in a film called Critical Care, playing a character named Doctor Butts. Oh man! So who on. knows? Uh, directed by Sidney Lumet. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's good. Never heard of that. James Spader is the lead of it. What? Uh, and he was, and he did a uh, very, very compelling supporting turn in Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight. Yes. Uh, so that was what he was up to between then and '99. Uh, and then James L. Brooks, we should note between that between um, between as good as it gets and Spanglish, he produced a film called Riding in Cars with Boys. Remember that was with uh, Drew Barrymore. Oh yeah. And he, um, I guess, basically was just kind of continuing his work on um, Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And he made a sitcom called What About Joan with Joan Cusack. Lasted 21 episodes. Oof. One season. One season. Yeah, yeah. but Joan Cusack, great. She's terrific. I mean, we know what we're getting into with a title called that. What About Joan? Uh, they, they did a lot of those kind of shows back then. Like, Norm MacDonald was in, like, 30 television shows like, with some variation of the word Norm in the title. Oh man, yeah. There's a lot of yeah. It was it was like yeah. That was the era of the sitcom. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the kind of like didn't really matter what it was about. Like Seinfeld, I guess, started it off. It was just like, yeah. hey, call it after the first news on it. <laughs> we'll go from yep. there. <laughs> um, but so James L. Brooks, his next project, and uh, his last directorial film to date, How Do You Know, which came out in 2010. Um, this film is with Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd, and Jack Nicholson. Um, I'm excited to give this one another go. Uh, much, Very much like Spanglish, I watched it when it came out, saw it once, didn't think it was all that great, and have not really thought about it since. Interesting other uh, uh, factoid on this, this was Jack Nicholson's final role to date. Wow. As well. Uh, so I'm excited to check those two out as we head toward the tail end of our Brooks Brooks series. This has been super fun. This has probably been my favorite thing we've done. Yes. I have to say. Yeah, I think, yeah, this is like the combos we have, the quality of the films we cover, even yeah. if, and even when they're like, 
not uh, great. Like Spangle, like there's a lot to mine. Is they're interesting <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so we're looking forward to next week talking about their last two. But don't worry, next week is not the last episode of Brooks Brooks. We've got mm-hmm. some more fun to come with them on uh, curios and interesting things that they did after their directorial careers seem to have come to a close. So on that note, that was uh, the Muse in Spanglish. We will see you all next week. Oh man, have a good one. Papa was a copper and a mama was a hippie In Alabama she would swing a hammer Price you gotta pay when you break the panorama She never knew that there was anything more than gold What in the world does your company take me for? Black bandana, sweet Louisiana Robbing on a bank in the state of Indiana She's a runner, rebel and a stunner Come to everywhere saying, baby, what you gonna? Looking down